Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I run Strength Guild. I also do powerlifting, Highland Games, and boxing. And this is Dr. John Mike. I'm an assistant professor of exercise science, and it's nice to be on Thanksgiving break, and I would love to have more turkey and cranberries. <laughs> I'm Keith Norris. I'm uh, the uh, co-founder of Paleo FX. I'm also a uh, partner in Efficient Exercise, which is a line of boutique uh, training studios here in Austin, Texas, and in San Antonio, Texas, and soon to be nationwide. Um, I'm also a partner in the ArcsFit Exercise Equipment Company. Okay. Yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Hey, um, let's start with just a little bit of listener news and Iron Radio news. Uh, I don't have uh, a lot of science news right now, but strength and muscle sport news. Um, first off, we have a listener question, and Keith, by all means, jump in on this. Um, it's entitled Two Arm Dumbbell Roll. It says, hey, guys, I've emailed in the past. You've kindly replied. I continue to love the podcast. I have a question. What do you think about using dumbbells uh, instead of a barbell to do the traditional barbell row? Now, I think he's saying dumbbells, one in each hand, I think simultaneously. Uh, I've long been supersetting one-arm dumbbell rows with my dumbbell benching for years. Love that combo. However, as it gets heavier, I know that I can use a lot of English with one-arm uh, dumbbell rows. Still, I love the movement, but I have been thinking about doing barbell rows. Uh, so I start doing them, and due to a bit of shoulder tightness, the barbell row is rather uncomfortable. I thought, wait a minute, uh, just like I use dumbbells instead of a barbell to do a traditional bench, uh, what if I were to use both uh, dumbbells in a traditional barbell-type row? Uh, when Googling, I keep stumbling upon articles about the one-arm dumbbell row, since they're so popular. Uh, so I thought I would check in with the pros. Take care, Ben. Hmm. hmm. Um, well, I think my, my, my initial response would be, I mean, you can definitely use both. I mean, they're just, they're just different. I mean, one of the major differences between barbell rows and dumbbell rows, especially if you're, if you're looking at two dumbbell rows versus one arm, you know, one arm is a little bit more popular, um, simply because you can get a little bit, um, added extra stretch at the bottom end range, um, to kind of increase and help with like lat activation and just get some extra stretch at the bottom. One of the things about dumbbell one arm rows or even just two dumbbells, um, but particularly one, um, people at the bottom and coming up to the top, they like, they like to, instead of staying tight and relatively neutral, they like to come up and kind of twist, um, at the, at, and have a little bit of upper rotation. You know, you really need to kind of stay down and, and tight and just stay neutral. Um, and one of the cues that I've always done myself and with other people is most people want to kind of use their, their bicep to actually pull the weight. What you really sh will want to think about is actually think about pulling like your elbow, keeping your elbow tight um, and, and close to your body, and actually 
kind of rowing and moving your elbow um, up and, and, and back as opposed to just your bicep. And I think when you do those, you'll get a little bit more um, added benefit um, to the exercise. And plus, I mean, heavier dumbbell rows, whether it's, you know, two or one arm, you know, is essentially a really good um, yeah. uh, variation for upper back work, particularly has a really good transfer a lot to, uh, to your deadlift. Um, you know, and barbell rows, I mean, they could be used, you know, alternate grip, double overhand grip, hook grip. Um, you know, the old school, like, uh, you know, Yates rows in a sense. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of variations that you can do. Um, you just got to have to figure out which variation works best for you. Um, and, and what, what you think has the most transfer to say your other may lifts. You know, John, I think, uh, if Ben's interested in doing them simultaneously, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying with one arm dumbbell rows. It's, it's great to pull toward your hip sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you can get that yeah. sort of toward the hip motion instead of straight up and down. You can hit different parts of your back because you can supinate and pronate. And I would think he could do some of that with uh, simultaneous dumbbell rows too. You know, he could still supinate or pronate his his palms, you know what I mean, and get a little bit yeah. more uh, variety out of it than maybe a strict uh, yeah, barbell I row. I, don't, do. I'm not, I haven't seen a lot of people doing, you know, like grabbing 120s or something substantial and trying to, do them simultaneously though yeah no i mean i usually do like the single arm like you know 130s 135s but i mean what you can do is if you use two you can just kind of go uh, chest chest down um on an incline bench and do rows that way or you could do like old school um you know like the, the chinese used to do just if you have a if you have a high enough bench or you could elevate the bench on some pads um, or some type of you know plow measure boxes and so when you're laying down um prone um, totally flat and you're actually doing rows that way with two dumbbells. I mean, and really like when you, I think two dumbbell and the, I mean, there's no, there's no point in trying to compare the exercises cause they're just different, mm-hmm. but two dumbbell compared to one, I think is, is, is substantially harder and you can't use as much weight. Um, but you know, sometimes, sometimes the not, sometimes less weight is, 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 is better. It can be better because you start to really envelop more of just the overall mind muscle connection. Yeah. Um, you know, with actual con- feeling the contraction itself. And with that, I would just say that, you know, in the, the name of the game and assistance work or, you know, bodybuilding work, if we want to call it that, is to really feel the muscle that you're targeting and whatever it takes to accomplish that task. And if that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you create something like a, uh, like a dual barbell row and that's working for you and you can really feel your lats kicking in with that, then, hey, you know, roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Phil, what do you think about this? Are you? No, I agree. I mean, the only time I've done two dumbbells is when we do like like uh, John was saying, prone on a bench, and uh, mm-hmm. then you can really control the movement. I mean, I think people tend to cheat a little bit, uh, a lot of it, <laughs> when they go two at the same time, just standing. Yeah. Um, you see, like rep one's looking good, and then they're getting more and more upright, you know, as, as the set goes on. But uh, yeah, yeah, you can really concentrate on your upper back if you're laying on a bench, and if not, I mean, I usually do it one armed, and I just look at the time when I'm doing my right arm is rest for the left and then vice versa. You know, I just switch yeah. between the arms. Yeah. So, Okay. Uh, just one other quick bit of news as far as the fall funds drive that we're doing. Um, don't expect your thank you swag. I know that's not why a lot of you do it, but don't expect uh, your treats probably until oh mid to late December actually because you know I have a full-time job and I can't just <laughs> spend all day sending these out but you will get them um, and again uh, your uh, 
your support's uh, very much appreciated. So uh, just have patience with me, and I will get you some stuff. Like I said, we've got some we've got some books, mugs, mouse pads, um, audio clips. You know, like educational type products. We've got all kinds of stuff like that, and uh, we will thank you for it. So please be patient with me. I got one bit of news. I just want to give a shout out to one of the up and coming weightlifters for us. And at the IWFs this weekend, he had a pretty bad injury. So he, he both ulnas are busted, both femurs, both tibias, most of Jesus his metatarsals. Mm, yes, yeah. most of his metatarsals. Uh, his quadriceps torn in half, and his patellas are all out of range. So yeah, he busted himself up pretty good. But uh, damn, doing what? Squatting? A clean and jerk. Oh, okay, Jesus. And. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. The the ortho says he'll never walk right again. He's like, well, I'm taking that as a <laughs> a challenge. Challenge, yeah. So, yeah, let's let's. Here's to the best, man. I hope you come back and prove everybody wrong. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk to Keith here. Uh, usually, what we do, Keith, is we just ask people about how they got started. Right. That's there's a lot of fun in that question. I think. Uh, and, and I know you've got a lot going on, it sounds like, so in all these different varieties, but uh, you must have had some positive experiences with, with lifting or something when you were a kid, or I mean, how did it all start? Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know, lifelong athletes started, uh, you know, preteen even, uh, track and field and football, um, and, you know, played all the way up through high school, wound up getting a scholarship and played football at Texas State, had a good uh had a good run at Texas State, went into the military after that. Um, yeah, I was always one of those kids that uh, would, had decent natural talent, but, you know, I had to train my ass off to be on the field with, with people who were more talented than I was. And um, I was lucky enough to have great coaches around me who were very, very forward-thinking um, in, the, in the weight room and in a strength and conditioning sense. And, you know, being one of those kids that had to train to – get on the field and compete against the best. I was, I really bought into the whole idea. I wanted to know everything there was to know about strength and conditioning, how to get better. Um, now at the time that, uh, that my collegiate career was done, there was absolutely zero money in strength and conditioning. <laughs> I mean, you just weren't going to make a living doing it at that time. And, um, you know, I had a, by that time I had a wife and a kid on the way. So I had to, uh, you know, I had to hump, make some money, uh, went into the military, uh, continued in with my uh, strength and conditioning learning, um, in that path, um, read everything I could, you know, talk to everybody I could continue to train even under some pretty arduous conditions while I was in the military, but I found a way to do it. Um, uh, left the military, went into the uh, pharmaceutical world as a liaison between pharmaceutical manufacturing and the the FDA. Um, did that, continued to train again continuously, um, and finally uh, reached a point in my career where I was like, you know what, my wife and I, my wife uh, essentially built Starbucks up and down the East Coast. Um, both of us were like, you know, we're making some pretty good money. We've got some squirreled away, but we're not happy with what we're doing. Um, you know, we want to, my wife is a chef. Um, we kind of want to get out and change the world in our own way. And so we, about six years ago, we did. So we just kind of, uh, you know, we saved up enough, uh, I did you know, we, uh, I guess you call it fuck you money and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and cashed out and, uh, you know, started, um, started our own adventure, uh, me in the strength and conditioning realm and her 
Um, you know, she opened up a, a catering business, and uh, that eventually led into uh, Paleo FX. Um, and that's that's the short of it. I'll just put it that way. It's been a it's been a long, strange trip. We'll just say that. Hey, let me ask you. Um, we were just talking uh, last week, week before, about training in the military. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, did do you feel like you uh, learned a ton? Do you feel like maybe they're a little behind in the way they yeah. approach fitness? I mean, especially with your strength interest and that sort of thing. Yeah. What, what's your perception of that, of military fitness? Yeah, they're, they are behind the curve. Um, you know, it's, it's a massive bureaucracy. And these, you know, the, the truth kind of trickles down very, very slowly. They can't, uh, they can't turn on a dime. Um, we can talk about, um, I've, you know, it's related to, uh, to ArcsFit. We've been out to NASA a few times, been called out there to discuss using our technology on the, uh, on the ISS and the pending mission to Mars. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even, even a forward faking entity like NASA is still a massive bureaucracy and it, you know, it takes time for things to happen. Um, but yes, to answer your question, they're a little bit far behind. Um, you know, they do have the problem of training masses versus, you know, training a few, um, in a strength and conditioning setting. So there's that to get around. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think that they, uh, I think they're eager to learn. Obviously, they don't want soldiers hurt, and obviously, they don't want soldiers to uh, to be in theater and have to return to the to the U.S. to stateside because of a, because of an injury that could be prevented. And I think that's the big push in the military right now is screenings, uh, much like uh, similar to an FMS type screening to identify problems before. Soldiers get sent into theater, things that would prevent them, you know, from from serving, because that's the that is a huge money drain to the military. In the Vietnam era, it was uh, dental problems. And, hmm. you know, so when I went into the military, the first thing they did was was pull out my wisdom teeth before I deployed, even though I had zero problem with them. And, you know, they pretty much told me you will never have a problem with them. Because mm. <laughs> wow. <gone. laughs> so, um you know, so that that was a big bugaboo in the Vietnam era. You know, guys getting over in theater and having to return due to dental problems. And number one dental problem at that time, because you're talking about you know 19 to 24 year olds roughly, um, is wisdom teeth problems. Right. And so the military figured that out and pretty much cured that problem. Everybody that deploys now, and I'm, I'm assuming still now, uh, will be deployed absent their wisdom teeth. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of mindset and you're dealing with a bureaucracy again and, you know, right. they're not, they're not, uh, dumb people by any means, but bureaucracies move slow. Gotcha. Uh, listen, before we go to break, I, can you just maybe tell everybody about Paleo FX? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, Paleo FX, number one, is a big tent organization and it's a big tent conference. Um, essentially it is a conference full of people who know that, that they are control, they are in control of their own health, and uh, that's it in a nutshell. It's a massive networking experience for people in the health, wellness, and fitness arena. Um, a lot of people think it's you know it's all about diet and bacon, and it's <laughs> and yes, there's there's a little bit of that there, but it's mostly a health, wellness, and also a sustainability conference too, because we realize that. 
we cannot be a healthy nation unless we have healthy food production. Yeah, you know, um, see that element there as well. Yeah, Keith and I have actually, you know, met up. Um, we've talked about this several times uh, over the phone or in person. But you know, one of our other co-hosts, you know, Mike Nelson, he's spoken at Paleo FX a few times, and and every time I ask him about it, you know, he always rant and raves about it, saying it's a, it's an awesome event and uh, it's a, it's an awesome Texas every year. When, Keith, when is it? Is it like Memorial Day weekend in May? It's, it's Memorial Day weekend uh, next year. Okay. Um, so, which is, I believe, the 27th through the 29th. Um, yeah, if you've never been to Austin, Texas, you definitely have to check out uh, other top barbecue places because they are awesome. Yeah, I've seen Mike or John devour massive quantities of brisket. It was, it's, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> Good stuff. So can you give some examples of like what else is there? It sounds like, is it sort of a, because I, I just don't know, is it sort of a booth set up? Like it's an expo type thing and then there's a, a stage for people to, to lecture or how does it actually look and what kind of things are there? Yeah, so it's a, it's a massive expo floor. Uh, we'll have 150 plus vendors out. Um, there's demonstrations, there's uh, cooking demonstrations, there's strength and conditioning demonstrations. Um, it's a five ring circus as far as presentation stages are going. Um, so you'll have a choice of, you know, seeing five different lecturers or panels. Um, we also run uh, what we call mastermind panels, which could be on, you know, any topic. Let's just say uh, some aspect of strength and conditioning or some aspect of recovery. And we'll have experts, you know, that, that know their stuff in that particular subject. Uh, and it'd be a moderated panel. Um, questions from the audience. Um, it's just a very, very good time. And I think, uh, you know, to a person, the attendees out there and also the speakers there as well will tell you that above all, what they get is an opportunity to network with like-minded people. And, you, you know, you let's face it, you can get just straight up information pretty easy. I mean, it, you know, if you're willing to, to tap around on the, on the internet a little bit or, you know, pony up for a book, you can get information pretty easy. But what you can't get is that elbow to elbow actually speaking with the experts and asking them questions and having them having them discuss nuances of whatever the idea is. You just can't get that any other way than being at a live event. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have we have the upper hand in that the event is in Austin, Texas in the spring, which is just a beautiful place to be um, if you can get the hell out of town in the summer. But uh, it's a. Uh, it's just an awesome event. It's really turned into something that we're very, very proud of. If we had no idea it would get to the level that it is today, cool. none. Hey. Um, when we started it off, my wife and I and other business partner five years ago, it, we essentially were just kind of throwing a party for some friends. And uh, wow. it's really turned into a massive event. Is it fair to say, I mean, you, you mentioned a few things that make me think along these lines, but is it fair to say that this is a little bit anti-establishment maybe? Because you talked about controlling, you know, being in control of your own health. You talked about setting aside FU money. It sounds yeah. a, a little bit anti-food industry, anti-establishment. Is that fair? It is, it is anti-bad science, I would say that. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, it's very, very, the, the paleo community is heavily, heavily science-laden. Um, so anything that whiffs of, of poor science, bad science, uh, misinterpreted science um, is, is going to be cast out. <laughs> anything okay. that's good science, uh, the, you know, it's going to be lauded. So 
Um, it, it, it's a it's a highly intelligent community, um, it, which just happens to be uh, interesting. Interestingly enough, very libertarian at the same time. So, is it anti-establishment? Yeah, you could probably say it is. Okay. Well, I think we need a little bit of that, frankly. So, good Absolutely. stuff. Okay, let's. Uh, we're going to go to break, everybody. When we come back, we're going to talk to Keith. Just have a chat amongst everyone uh, about eccentric overload training. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook – uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi, listeners. This is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Every week, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in, $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. 
Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we are back. It's uh, John and Phil uh, and Keith Norris and myself, uh, Dr. Lowry, and we're going to talk about eccentric exercise again. We've touched on this from de- you know various angles, I think, in the past, uh, but we're going to look at some uh, types of equipment, maybe some programming issues, that sort of thing. So, uh, let's just start with maybe an overview, Keith. So what's the... Um, What's the uh, the general thrust of your interest with uh, eccentric training? Well, for us and our clientele um, at Efficient Exercise, we don't necessarily train athletes, um, although we do have um, you know endurance minded athletes on board. Um, the thrust of uh, you know our, our clientele is people who think that they don't have enough time to exercise. Um, so you're, you're talking about uh, doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, that type of person. So the, uh, the entire program that we set up is a, you know, a very fast-paced program. Um, it's a 30-minute program. Um, you know, is it the – am I going to create an athlete in, in 30 minutes a couple times a week? You know, obviously not. Um, and I, I, I tell everybody I can make you very, very healthy. I can get you, you know, roughly 80% of your, of your body comp. Um, goals in a couple of shots a week, but let's face it, you know, you want to go more than that. You got to throw time at it, um, mm-hmm. intelligent time at it. But, um, in, in saying that, um, uh, being under that time constraint, we had to figure out a way to, you know, we had to figure out a bang for the buck way to be able to pull that off. And I think anybody that's been in the iron game for a while knows that eccentric exercise or eccentric exercise, depending on where you're from in the country, mm-hmm. um, is the way to go about doing that. So you're going to have to figure out a way to to do uh, eccentrics both safely because we are talking about a generally a population that may not be weight room savvy. So that obstacle had to had to um, be hurdled. Um, and you've got to be able to give, uh, you know, a pretty intense dose in a short period of time. So that's what led us down that path to trying to develop a, an implement that could do that. And, right. So uh, that, is that it fair? Is it fair then to say that your your clients, the lifters, are they more interested in hypertrophy than they are in explosive strength and that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. You know, yeah. Although I do, uh, you know, I have some CrossFit competitors that will come in for their, you know, we could call it max effort work um, that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do, you know, given the tools that they have at their boxes. I, I do have that, but yeah, most of the people coming in are looking for hypertrophy or body comp changes. Yeah. Okay. Right on. So big John, let me ask, Keith said you've been on the equipment before. What's your impression of, of this stuff? 
Um, I've been on it a few times. It's um, it's very different. I mean, if you're not used to, it's, it's one of those um, just kind of uh, different variations of eccentric exercise. Because I mean, really, when you think about it in a, in a global perspective, whenever you use the word eccentric training, the, the the two main things that people really go to or think in their mind are bench press and bicep curls. Uh, they don't think of you know single leg exercises or even a, a leg press type of machine that actually um, incorporates the eccentric, you know, for you, um, you know, and, and I've been on it a few times and it's, it's, it's very effective. Um, it's a lot more challenging than what you think uh, with, with Keith's device, because um, usually with eccentric stuff, it's usually almost kind of one dimensional in a sense. And with his device, it's it's, it's multifaceted. I mean, you can do leg press, you can do bench, you can do dips, you can do shoulder, um, you know, presses and all this other stuff. I mean, so it's 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 pretty diverse, um, you know. And one of the things that people often forget about eccentrics, I mean, and it and it, and it has such a a big gamut in terms of overall benefits, um, you know, and and it goes above and beyond just the strength and conditioning part. It actually extends well into uh, the clinical population in terms of ACL, you know, recovery and reconstruction after surgery. Um, you know, um, elderly populations and things of that nature. But um, one of the things about eccentrics that people often don't discuss is that the overall energy cost of eccentric training and, and eccentric exercise is relatively low or lower compared to concentric work. So essentially, you can do more volume, um, you know, over a period of, of a training session and not get as fatigued. Of course, um, you know, one of the downsides about eccentric exercise is you get a lot more, you know, um, you know, muscle damage and and and, and soreness, um, depending on how much volume that you do. Um, so that's, you know, it's it's almost like you kind of have to strike a balance between, you know, volume and workload and 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 damage at the same time. There's people out there that are sensitive to, you know, muscle damage, as we've seen through the science and through oh, practical yeah. application. Some people get very sore with doing little amounts of work, and some people get sore doing, you know, a, a lot of extreme volume. So the only way to really know how you respond is to get in there and work it at, at different types of exercises. Um, and, 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 you know, and with eccentrics, I mean, it can be done with single leg exercises. It can be done with really anything. Um, and the key, the key, the key issue is, you know, knowing what to do so it has a a high transfer, transferability to the actual main lift. I mean, right. you could do eccentric stuff on, you know, shoulder presses or leg stuff, um, and then you go back and do, say, if you do eccentrics for, you know, twice a week um, for a certain exercise, and then say the following week you go do the same exercise at a regular tempo you'll definitely see a, a high transfer rate and transferability. Um, so, I mean, through the science, I mean, and obviously through, you know, the work that I've done and written about, I mean, it, it gets you, does get you really strong. Um, and it does have a lot of benefits, you know, through strength and hypertrophy. Um, but also really, I mean, because Lana, we've talked about uh, having um, uh, immune responses and, and markers as well with with eccentric right. exercise. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's definitely something that needs to be more incorporated. I've, I've often said here, um, in the last year or so that for the uh, most undervalued and underutilized training methods, um, not really in any particular order, are aerobic development, um, isometrics, um, deceleration, and eccentrics. Um, and that's and, and from a strength and conditioning perspective out in the field and when you're working with athletes, you know, most a lot of the injuries come from deceleration. Well, how do you help overcome 
you know, deceleration and reduce injury is working the essential component right. um, throughout the year, particularly, you know, off season, but even some, some in season, but you try to want to avoid as much in season just so you can reduce the level of, uh, of soreness, soreness yeah. just so it can enhance recovery. Oh. You know, let me make a quick uh, observation. You mentioned low energy demand during the workout. Uh, that kind of harkens back to, I think, the idea that Keith was mentioning about efficient you know, yeah. Uh, and I've always thought it was interesting, right? Because listeners, I think the general concept is, why are you getting so sore? Because you're actually firing fewer motor units. They're carrying the burden of the load. They get very trashed, you know. And when John says muscle damage, of course, he just means micro damage. But right. Uh, but what's interesting to me is then over the next 24 hours, and I've looked at this pretty closely. Of course, my interest is in nutrition and calorie balance and that sort of thing. But you'll have a 10, 12, even 15% increase in resting metabolic rate because you've actually elicited um, a sort of damage response in yourself. So yeah. during the workout, the energy output is actually lower. But over the next 24 hours, you're burning calories uh, because you've got sore muscles that are, in a sense to your body, slightly injured. Right. And what what blows me away is it's actually on par with certain clinical types of uh, trauma where we see a, a hyper metabolism like a, a tibial fracture or a, a, a elective surgery like a hernia repair. Uh, you can actually get that sore. And I, I, it's always interesting to me because, in, of course, dietitians they're not going to add in 10 percent onto your calorie needs for soreness. You know, but <laughs> you, you can actually think about the flip side of that, and you're actually burning through an extra 10, 12, 15% calories all the time because you are sore. I mean, I had an old mentor when I used to uh, train in Taekwondo, and he said, you know, Lonnie, you and your, your buddies, it's like the lazy man's way to diet. You just get really sore lifting weights, and then you can eat whatever you want. I'm like, well, what's lazy about that? You know, <laughs> but, but having said that, let me ask you, Keith. Uh, so the efficiency thing, um, I can imagine it being kind of inefficient a lot of times if, you, if you're just loading on extra weight uh, with with a barbell so you can lower more weight or, you know, people are using hooks and chains and they're doing all this kind of stuff. But what makes this more efficient, your approach, than just a slow four count down with a barbell kind of thing? Yeah, and, you know, I came up, you know, in the iron game, just like everybody else. And I did eccentrics the same way, you know, you just, you're figuring it out with, uh, you know, overload on the bar. Uh, you have to put your trust in a training partner or partners that know what the hell they're doing. Um, you know, and the, and the other part of that too, is if we're trying to train to match the strength curve as well, then you're having to set up chains and bands and, you know, it, it's, and not that that doesn't work. It absolutely does work. It, it's but time efficient. It's not. <laughs> and um, yeah, it so, is. I mean, yeah, he's actually right. I mean, I mean, I love bands and chains. I, I use chains a lot more than I do bands. But the, I mean, <clears throat> if you're if you're training on a limited time, I mean, say, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I mean, if you don't have the right types of equipment with um, to set up bands and chains, you know, properly, I mean, the setup can take like. 15 minutes yep. you know and it's just like i mean if you have to get in and out based on your clientele i mean it's again it's like just like you said it's not the most like efficient way to do it yeah and, and like i say i still at times train with chains and bands just because i like that feel mm -hmm. um but for my clientele we, we just don't have time to to set that up nor do they really need it i mean again they're not athletes they're they're everyday people looking to be healthy and uh, you know a little bit jacked um, so yeah, so there's, I guess that aspect of it is that there is zero setup. 
Um, so, uh, so John could get on, um, on a leg press and I could blow him up and then I could get a, uh, you know, my next clientele or my next client could be a 45 year old, uh, attorney that, you know, is, is not necessarily buff at all. And there's zero setup between the two. I might change the speed of the actual implement a, a little bit, uh, depending on limb length, but that's about it. That takes about two seconds to set and we're off and running. So there's zero setup. Yeah, one of the things about his device is um, it actually gives you a, a readout during your actual set and rep itself. And then, of course, after the set um, is done, so you, you actually get like a real-time readout of what your overall power output and workload is. And therefore, you can actually use various progressions of that because I think that's really cool because there's really nothing else um, on the market that I know of that actually does that in real time because – one of the things about eccentrics, I, I think, at least, you know, in, in a gym or stream conditioning setting, you don't really know unless you set up with some type of like, you know, Tendo unit, which really, I mean, Tendo units or gym awares, I mean, they're not, they're not just designed um, just for eccentrics, you know, stuff in and of itself, but um, you, you can actually get and know what your workload and power output is. And I think that's good. Um, because you can kind of, like I said, look at different like progressions and, 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 and things of that nature. So it, let me pull back the lens just a, uh, for a minute here. So um, it, is it the general idea that it will apply more mechanical tension in the eccentric portion of the range of motion? I mean, that seems actually, to me like one of the most fun things about eccentrics is that you can actually get, you know what I mean, the old yes. phrase, you know, you can lower more than you can hold steady, and you can hold steady more than you can concentrically lift, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, what it does, Lonnie, is that the speed is consistent. The speed of the implement is consistent, and you cannot change it. Okay. Um, a good way to think about this, and if uh, you know, if I'm trying to explain this to somebody that I have no visual of the machine itself, is to say, uh, imagine trying to fight a fork truck, right? So if you were uh, if you were seated upright on a bench, and I pulled a fork truck up to you, and you you trusted me implicitly, <laughs> I said, uh, Lonnie, I'm going to lower the forks until you get your hands on them, and then I'm going to lower the forks very, very slow, and I want you to resist on the way down. Okay. So there's no way you're going to stop the forks coming down. There's no way, but you're going to attempt to do so. Okay. And so okay. you're creating a massive amount of force on the way down that is that is uh, relative to your strength curve. Right, so you're going to hit a hell of a lot of force in the uh, near fully extended position in an overhead press, and you're going to lose a little bit of the ability to create force as we lower. And then I'm going to turn once we get down to chest level, and we're going to come back up the other way at a slow pace. And now you're trying to push away from you as fast as possible. Um, so actually, actually, we could look at it as a mirror is, or the device is mirroring back force upon you. And this is why, you know, this is why I can get uh, I can get John on and have him have press, and then I can get somebody's grandma on and do it over it because it, you know it, I'm not I'm not supplying uh, load or force on the person. I'm supplying speed, a constant speed. They are the ones that are creating the force through the range of motion. Okay, so, so it's this is sort of a novel form of isokinetic training, then. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. In a sense, too. I mean, I guess if you were looking at a limiting factor, it'd be it's limited by how much work the person wants to give. Correct. I mean, yes. because like if I had a bar loaded with a thousand pounds and I made it go down slow, well, I'm making it go slow. Yeah. You know, if a person decided they were going to get lazy and not push very hard, it's still going to go slow, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, you could you yeah. could certainly you know, go for and <laughs> cheat the system. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you do have the uh, you do have the instantaneous feedback right in front of you, mm. right? So I can I can use carrots and sticks, and there's you know uh, an entire show could be, be devoted to the the software we have, the type of feedback we get. But let's just uh, you know for the intent of this discussion, I know exactly how much force you're producing every second of the way. And I can I can call back on charts every rep of every set you've ever ever done in that particular exercise is logged in the system. So I can uh, you know I can call up an overhead press or whatever exercise we're talking about from three months ago. We can mm-hmm. see the progress, or I can call up uh, what we did you know last week. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Keith. Let me let me ask you this because I, I I remember experiencing this a little bit, and and maybe some of your clients you've actually done this. Let me ask you if if somebody wants to get on one of these you know devices, and let's just say over a course of like a set, and maybe there's you know eight reps in a set, or maybe they, maybe the first or last four, um, depending on how you want to do it. Could, could they could they focus on the concentric part more than they would want to the eccentric, or vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. you know there are. We do have protocols, uh, say we have a diabetic that's in and we need to clear glucose. And that's the main point of what they're in for. We have just got to, you know, empty the reservoir of glucose. Um, we can do a concentric only program on them to where they are just pushing, reset, push, reset, push, reset, push. And it's, um, you know, we can get a crap ton of concentric work done in that way. You know, is it is it ideal for uh, for a lifter to do that? No, um, but is it ideal for this person in a medical sense to be able to pull that off? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we can do we can do all variations of eccentric concentric. So yeah, so you're essentially saying, I mean, you can you can manipulate any type of uh, the type of contraction that you want, at really at any given time period yeah. uh, over the course yeah. of a workout, and that's something that I, I think is really important for our listeners to know is. You know, you could focus on concentric only and eccentric only or, or a combination of the two. And, I mean, I know from doing my dissertation, God, I mean, Christ, I've probably looked at over 500 articles over the course of just my dissertation alone on eccentrics. And, you know, the, the, the science is there. And I'm, as far as I know, and I'm actually getting ready to submit my dissertation for journal of strength and conditioning research. As far as I know, I'm, I'm the only, um, uh, you know, person or a group um, that has done um, manipulating are varying the eccentric durations and keeping the concentric the same. So, you know, versus, uh, you know, two, four, you know, six second or whatever. Um, but um, I, I think it's good that you can actually manipulate the, the both concentric and eccentric. And one of the things I think people often overlook is that, I, like I said, we're, we're, we're very concentric focused um, and eccentric is certainly underutilized and undervalued. But really, in terms of mechanisms for overall muscle hypertrophy, you know, you need mechanical tension, metabolic stress, and muscle damage. And I would actually most definitely put eccentrics um, in the um, mechanical tension and muscle damage categories because you really need a certain amount of damage and it is, it is really required to facilitate overall muscle hypertrophy. So you need a combination of all three. And I think a lot of times people just focus primarily on just you know, mechanical tension or, t- or time under tension. They don't, you know, do any type of metabolic stress uh, or, or, or muscle damage. So, um, you know, having some type of muscle damage v. eccentrics, I think, is is, is required almost like a, a, a prereq um, to, to 
um, having, you know, optimal and maximizing overall hypertrophy. Right, muscle yep. remodeling. There's got to be an initial injury stimulus, even if it's exactly. on a micro level. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, when I look at this stuff, I think, especially because, Keith, you're mentioning how it quantifies everything to such an extent, or you could do just eccentric, just concentric, and you've got all these data. It, it sounds to me like an um, interesting research tool, actually, because you yep. could quantify every rep you know, and you could, or you could play with things like high frequency training. That's all concentric, you know, um, you could set up a group that does all, you know, every single day concentric only training. And then another group that does just, you know, eccentric work. Um, I don't know. I'm geeking out on that, I guess, but it's, I mean, it provides that. Yeah. It's a, it's a great tool for that. And, you know, we're, we're just at the point now of being able to, uh, you know, to actually, talk to labs and talk to people and actually, you know, and show they were, we're past the, past the beta testing phase now and we're actually in the, in the manufacturing phase. So yeah, we're at a point where we can be able to do that. One other thing I was going to bring up was, um, I can't remember who brought it up. Somebody brought up isometrics, which, um, you know, are, are, are fantastic. I just, in fact, myself, um, had a pretty bad knee injury a while back and I rehabbed myself using, uh, starting off with isometrics. And what's cool about isometrics on the ArxFit uh, machines is that now I have feedback of what I'm doing. You know, I have I have a real chart that's being created in the moment as I'm doing an isometric. So I know how much force I'm producing, and I I know when I hit drop off um, and when to when to pull the plug on the set. Um, you know, isometrics are fantastic, but let's face it, most people don't do them because they suck. You have no feedback of, of how much force you're creating in the moment. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, and that's cool. And I can measure, for instance, my, um, and since we're, we're talking about, uh, knee rehab and, and, uh, legs, I could measure and really quantify, uh, my knee angle too. So I could say, you know, I'm doing an isometric at this particular knee angle and, um, you know, I can change that over time and then I can go back to the, uh, the original knee angle and see, see my progress. Um, you know, I've had people come in from, uh, ACL, um, reconstruction and put them on this equipment and their recovery is so much faster. Oh, I know. And it's just blazingly fast. And, uh, you know, the surgeons are like, what in the, what in the frig have you, are you doing? How are you recovering so quick? Um, but it's, you know, it's a very, very controlled force output over, over days and over time. Um, that's very, very safe. Um, and you know, there's no, there's no magic to that. I mean, they're just able to work out a hell of a lot better than they would be able to do traditionally. It does so seem more precise. A lot faster. Yeah, precise and quantified. I mean, if you had a sticking point, you would know exactly what degree in your range of motion, you Absolutely. know, that you were having that weak, weaker force output. And then can you lock the machine then? So you could you could focus yep. just at that angle and do yep. isometrics, right? Lock, yeah. Yep, you can lock the machine right there at whatever angle you need and uh, and press away on it. And the readout is still there. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that is a, a another very very cool aspect of this as well. And I, I think the ability to have that instantaneous biofeedback in the moment, but also to be able to to pull that chart back up in any time you want, 
uh, to be able to compare apples to apples is, I mean, that's, it's just fabulous to be able to have that tool in the tool chest. Right. Okay. Anything else, fellas? Uh, that's about it. Sounds great to me. It's yeah, awesome. I kind of want one of these for my lab. Actually, the the quantification. Yeah, yeah, you need to go. Uh, you need to get on one. It's, yeah, it's, uh, you'll 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 like it. Well, you know, and I don't want to make this sound uh, a commercial. Of course, you know, we don't yeah. do that kind of stuff. But uh, it's just interesting in that it does give you numerical feedback. Like I I was racking my brain trying to think of where in the strength sports or muscle sports you even use isometrics the only example i could come up with would be bodybuilders who practice posing and i don't know uh, listeners if you've competed in a bodybuilding show before you're so rocked the next day sometimes you can barely move and that's all isometric i mean you can't quantify it but you're squeezing shots you know side chest and back double biceps you do this that and the other and that's all isometric work and then uh you know, a lot of guys will even do that. They'll practice for weeks up to a show because they feel like that enhances the uh, the look, you know, of a muscle. Yeah, but you can actually do isometrics. I did it um, about a week and a half ago again, uh, isometric deadlifts. I mean, you can just set up a deadlift on the floor and then set up the pins toward the bottom and you pull. And then once the bar hits the pins, I mean, you're pulling, oh, sure. with, you know, max force. Mm-hmm. And you can do the same thing with overhead pressing too. I mean, you don't, with the isometric stuff, people don't understand, you don't, you don't need to put, you know, freaking ninety percent of your f- freaking load on there. I mean, it's it's you can just use the empty bar if you wanted to. It doesn't really it doesn't really take a whole lot, but I mean, it's um, yeah. I mean, you you can get rocked, you know, with with doing too much isometric work, and it's kind of like with eccentrics. I mean, it's something that you don't really you don't necessarily really need to do, you know, four times a week, but you know, once or twice a week or whatever. I mean, it's 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 good, and you know, once you get when you get more highly trained and you know, let's face it. I mean, when you get more, when you get more training, you get stronger. I mean, the 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 performance gains just they come on, you know, the hell of a lot slower. And you need to um, have a lot more variation in your training, and you know, and of course, eccentrics and you know, isometrics and all this other stuff. And it's just uh, you have to you have to throw in. It's good for variety, even though if if that's you know maybe not your primary goal is to be like a huge strength athlete, but. I think one other one other thing is I can identify even even if the trainee or the lifter doesn't know where their weak point is in the lift. <clears throat> excuse me, I can identify it really quick by looking at looking at the full range of motion lift, looking at the readout and going, okay, there's a hitch in the get along right here. And now we go back to that joint angle and we just hammer that over time with isometrics. And guess what? That that particular sticking point gets better. And then we move on to the next, you know, the next limiting portion of the lift. So it's very easy to, to do that when you have instantaneous uh, force output feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's real easy to find where the where the little, you know, the sticking point is. Right. And then you right. you go back to that. And you work it with isometrics, um, and then you're back off and running. I mean, it's, it, it's a cool diagnostic tool for that as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool stuff. Well, thanks for joining us, Keith. That was yeah, cool. Join us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Hey, absolutely. I, I, I love listening to you guys' show too, and that's not that's not it. blowing smoke up your skirts. That's, <laughs> that's true. <stuff. laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I'm getting back to some Thanksgiving leftovers here. Yeah, I gotta, uh, yeah. I got to eat too. I got to finish cooking. So, oh, Bye. that's right. Okay. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye. All right. Hey listeners, 
Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, Knee sleeves, wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.